Hello and welcome to the 16th episode of the Quacked Out Podcast. I am Charlie Folkstead, joined as always by Reed Tingley and producer Paul Kress. We got a big one this week. It's finally hate week and I'm happy to be here considering what the last few weeks have done to us. Um, because this is the only game that matters, as we've said time and time again. But, uh, Reed, how you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm mostly just hoping that this game actually gets played right now. Um, Huskies are dealing with some COVID troubles, as people know. Sounds like they've got uh, a limited number of cases in their program right now, but enough to... Um, to halt their practice on Wednesday. So y'all will probably hear uh, by this time Thursday if they're able to resume practice. And if they can do that, I think there's still a good chance this game's played. Um, so we're going to talk about it like it is going to be played. But obviously that's big news out right now. Yeah, and I mean, we saw Cristobal address this during his presser and he basically said the same thing. Like, I mean, from an Oregon perspective, all you can do is prepare for the game. Um there's right, no so, reason in slowing down anything. Yeah, we're following the company line direct from yeah. Cristobal. Follow <laughs> exactly. ahead like it's being played. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, just wish, hey, maybe some some of the players can execute as well as we. <laughs> just <joking. laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, no matter. I mean, like we said, we're gonna address it like it's gonna be played. So, this is the game for the Pac-12 North. Um, and we expect it to be decided on the field. It's, there's a lot of speculation as to what would happen if it wasn't played um, and how that would shake out. There's numerous tiebreakers and other things that go into it. Um, yeah, and would Washington be able to play next week? Would Colorado take our spot? Who knows, really? Exactly, That's all yeah. stuff we'll probably address on a future podcast if yeah. it becomes relevant. Well, exactly, on a case-by-case basis kind of thing. Um because right now, I mean, who knows? But so basically, I think um, I don't know if there's anything you want to say more about the Cal game, but I just sort of took a like a wider perspective on this um, in in my research for this episode, and I, I found a few things. The first thing I found was that Oregon is still far and away the leader in total yards per game. 467 next closest is Colorado with 432 um we are second in passing yards third in rushing yards um first in yards per attempt passing second in yards per attempt rushing we uh, we lead the conference in passing touchdowns with 11 uh we're third in rushing touchdowns and then like we're not I mean the big discrepancies and where you see Oregon really start to fall off in these sort of rankings are interceptions and sacks, um, which aren't great measurements for how your defense defense performs. But I mean, it's worth noting that, I mean, one stat that stood out to me, UCLA has had 17 sacks this year. Um, and we're right at the, the conference average of eight. So, I mean, I feel like this was kind of reaffirming the thought to me that, we aren't playing terrible for the entirety of these games. Like we're still racking up yards. We're still doing a lot of good things on offense. It's just that in the past few weeks, we haven't been able to make big plays that can cover up any mistakes. Um, And we've been seeing more mistakes overall, just in turnovers. And that's not really, you know, a lot of times turnovers are viewed as just kind of random acts of like, crazy football stuff that happened. Like you can't really prepare for them. Um, But I I don't really know in that sense, I don't really know how to address this within the context of playing UW Um, because they've dealt with a lot of similar scope issues. um, And obviously they have a loss to show for it against Stanford. But overall, I mean, the Ducks are still six point favorites for this game. And I feel like that's fair because on paper, it still seems like we are the better team. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. I think the turnover thing is super interesting. It's been a huge storyline this year for the Ducks, obviously. And yeah, I mean, you know, game by game, we've kind of said, oh, that's something that randomly happens, like you alluded to, you know, hopefully it'll swing the other way next game. 
And we're kind of at the testing point now. I mean, this is the big game. This is the biggest game of the year. Um, and so this is the one where if the turnover battle ever needed to swing our way, uh, let's hope it happens this Saturday. And the Huskies have been pretty good in ball security and enforcing some turnovers of their own. So that's a trend that we really need to break. Um, as far as the UCLA game, I felt like um, it's still – you know, showed some progress that I think is promising. I think Cristobal actually, I noticed in his press conferences this week, seemed uh, a little less down than he was after the Oregon State game. Mm -hmm. And it kind of reminded me, um, you know, he's a he's a guy that comes from the Saban tree, obviously. And Saban is a guy who you will see and hear preach over and over again, process over results. Mm -hmm. You can't determine how your team is doing simply by the final score. You have to make sure that you do things the right way. And if you are operating in the right way, if your process is right, then the results will follow. I think that Cristobal maybe felt better about um, our process going into this game and was encouraged by some of the things he saw. And I think that it showed a lot of the groundwork necessary for us to get a win this Saturday in the big game. It, it just is kind of putting those things together, cleaning up the mistakes. Um, one thing that was evident of that, I shared a clip on Twitter um, on that big shock fumble. Uh, QB 11 was going over this in his Twitch stream. Shuck actually makes a misread on that play. And if he'd given the ball to die, die is uh, in pretty good position to score in this early in the fourth quarter. So it kind of illustrates that I think that a lot of the issues in this team are not, um, you know, foundational. They're just stuff that needs to be cleaned up with experience. And hopefully Shuck being back home will will make some of that stuff go better. Um, I also think it's been really positive. We've rotated some young guys uh, on the D-line, Dorless. Uh, Williams and Ware Hudson are getting a lot of play. Andrew Falyu made a couple big plays. Uh, I noticed on a rewatch, um, I think that uh, downsides definitely our O-line was overwhelmed at times, and especially a guy like Ryan Walk, who's a former walk-on, um, does a lot of things right in terms of technique, but physically he just was getting overwhelmed a little bit, didn't quite have the length uh, or size to match up. Yeah, so those are things... Yeah, that, to get specifically the or the offensive line comment. That's something we're gonna have to worry about more than ever against uh, Washington because they have <laughs> they have size, they have strength, and they will try to get to the quarterback. Um, they haven't been like going off the charts um, with their pressures this year, but that's something Cristobal noted in his presser was that they really have guys who are able to go one on one. Um, and against an inexperienced offensive line, I mean, that is totally something to watch. I mean, yeah, we exactly. started off this year having a lot of confidence um, from what we saw in the first game especially. But from there, it's kind of been downhill with the offensive line. Um, I think the last two games are certainly um, expedient of that or, um, or expressive of that. I mean, especially with the, you know, lack of, firepower we had on the last two drives um in the cal game so not that that's indicative of the offensive line necessarily but like you said i think it's more about this team working and uh coming into its own down the stretch of this season and definitely and now's the time that exactly. we got to do it no time like the present like it it's not even in question of if anymore it's like this is this better happen it needs to happen. Yeah, if it doesn't happen now, then then that's the season because Ducks, you know, we'll see how the shakeout games work in the North next week and what a possible bowl game is. But, you know, nothing's really promised as these weeks tick away with possible COVID and everything. I'm also really hopeful that we can get this game in just for the the seniors who this could be their last game in Austin potentially. Mm -hmm. um, so it won't be a normal senior day, but uh, hopefully we can at least get it played. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because, like, this is not only is it the worst time to be a senior, um, just be, during, on senior day because there are no fans there, but um, it's worth noting that, like, some of these guys, I mean, I'm thinking of Lenore especially, like, 
came back to have a big senior season, and not only do they have to do it in front of no fans, but, I mean, you get, like, a crappy season out of it. <laughs> like, yeah. you don't you don't have – this is certainly not the experience uh, I would want if I was a senior out there. Um, yeah, I, I really hope that those seniors can kind of wear that badge of pride from our Rose Bowl season last year and take a lot of ownership over it because – all those guys, I mean, Lenore, obviously, but also Jordan Scott, um, follow you, you know, so many of those guys mm-hmm. con- were huge contributors on that team and they deserve to, you know, take all the credit, a lot of credit for that. Um, and just realize that, you know, this season, uh, you know, isn't necessarily those same dynamics with us having a younger roster and everything, but, uh, that, that shouldn't take any diminish their careers at all here. Yeah, and I mean, I'm even looking at guys like Camp Moyer or McCormick who have dealt with so much over their careers, McCormick especially. Um, and they don't, I mean, you know, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, like... Right, exactly. It's it's kind of crazy to think that these guys won't be around. Um, obviously, of course, they could take that extra year of eligibility. Right. Um, but that's a whole nother discussion. I mean, we, we haven't really seen any discussion about that. So, yeah. And it's something that I think could be offered to guys on a case to case basis, depending how we fill out the rest of this class and, and what the official ruling is by the NCAA and everything. But, you know, certainly not all of these seniors will be walking back through the door. So important to acknowledge that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's encouraging, um, that we have so many young players, again, youngest team in college football. Um, but at the same time, like we do have older guys who are supposed to be stepping up right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's safe to say not everybody is. Um, that That's not just seniors, by the way. I mean, guys on the defense especially are a few names that I'm, I can pick out that I'm like, wow, I, was, I expected a little more from that person. But overall, I mean, I I'm – happy with well i'm not happy with i i can understand why things haven't shaked out the way they have especially in following this team so closely and discussing it with you but i mean it just sucks like yeah this is it but I, right but i'm happy i'm happy that we got the season out i think that the value of getting these snaps in for the young guys even if they haven't the team hasn't had, you know, all the success that we wanted to in the wins and loss column. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all stuff that I think will contribute to this team being better uh, going forward. Because it, you know, it could have a, it could have been a really big effect if if our roster hadn't been able to play football for eighteen months or whatever. Oh, so. totally. I mean, we talk about the Ducks potentially being behind, quote behind, like on other teams around the nation who have had more games to get reps in. I mean, imagine losing a whole season. Yeah, and all of these growing pains with Shuck or whatever, um, you know, could have been felt next year instead. Uh, yeah. And I think that even though some fans clearly might not realize it, um, I think there's a lot of value in playing Shuck right now and getting his experience in there. And I think uh, him, it, obviously the quarterback position is the most obvious example, but there are others uh, throughout the roster as well. Yeah, and speaking of the roster, um, I want to go over a couple little things I saw in the depth chart this week. There hasn't been a ton of movement. Um, obviously still, for example, four different tight ends listed as the starter, which is something I want to talk about a little later. But um, with place kicker, we get Henry Cattleman, or Cattleman, however you say it, as the Number one guy for sure is place kicker. Cam is still listed as the starter on kickoff over Cadelman. Whatever, we'll see what happens there. Um, but it's a tiny little or next to Sean Dollar's name at the running back position that I want to focus on because this is a guy who we've been harping on to get more playing time since he's been in the program. Um, I don't know what it'll take to see Dollars get some touches um, against UW. I mean, we've certainly seen him have opportunities um had a target in the rose bowl last year like he's he's had um i mean obviously cristobal is comfortable using him in big games yeah and he he got a he was in for a few a fair amount of snaps last game not a ton Mm -hmm. but um a solid handful of them he just the ball just never really found him yeah exactly so i mean whether or not it does i hope he gets some reps um 
yeah definitely being in the game is a good step in the right direction yeah i mean there's like one play call where we threw a, a slip screen to cyrus on like a second and long and it's just like why is sean dollars not getting that like yeah i you yeah. know i love cyrus but that's not his role i would so much rather see you know fresh Sean dollars come in and and see if he can really make an impact on a play like that. Um, so hopefully we can see something like that. I think that's a good point. Yeah. And again, not to get into some like kind of play the kids attitude or anything like that. Cause I don't, I don't really, I mean, I want to win um, over player development this week, especially <laughs> in this week. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like in general, I feel like he should, I mean, I'm comfortable with a red shirt freshman running back typically speaking, like, especially if it's Sean Dollars, so. Yeah, especially given all he went through in high school at a huge program, it's, you know, yeah, I think he's ready, like you said. I think I trust him. Um, so let's talk about tight ends for a little bit. Uh, DJ Johnson was the starter, like, period, for the first two weeks, and now he hasn't caught a pass since week two. Um, mm. McCormick hasn't seen the field. Webb has, I don't think, has seen the field. He's been out for, like, basically this whole year um, yeah, he's tweeting he during the last game yeah. and camp moyer has been the only other guy to get minutes and he's he had like one catch last week i think that's all i can mm-hmm. remember um is has there anything you've been seeing that's tipping a cap as to why we're not seeing as much tight end play or is it just scheme and not matching up right with our defenses well i think like you said, there are guys held out. Um, you know, Webb and McCormick, I think, just aren't quite ready to go. Um, and Herbert isn't ready to go either. He hasn't suited up yet this year, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I will note is um, there was that throw that I think stood out to a lot of people uh, when Shuck kind of threw that wobbly pass that almost got picked off by the Cal defender going to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, watching the film on that, DJ Johnson is the, um, you know, player in the area. And it definitely made me wonder, was there a route miscommunication there? Um, and is Johnson maybe not quite comfortable, especially in those routes where he's let off downfield? Um, you know, really knowing the play offensive playbook, given that he's transitioned from a defensive player, obviously. Um, and it does, you know, remind me a lot of those early week targets when DJ Johnson was really good were pretty basic route concepts, just him kind of shuffling into the flat and getting the ball pitched out off out to him. And then just his athleticism taking over and him making a play. It wasn't necessarily super crisp route running downfield or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that might be a hindrance on DJ Johnson and then uh, with Camp Moore, I think it's, you know, same old, same old. He's an improved pass catcher this year. Um, but, you know, that's never been his strength. That probably won't ever be his strength at Oregon. Uh, and so I think that's a little bit tough in this offense. And it makes me really excited for um, the tight ends that we're bringing in in this 21 class. Uh, both Ferguson and Matavau are guys who, who will be awesome. But obviously, we don't have the time to really get into all that right now. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, what – I mean, I'm looking at Washington's defense. Not literally right now, but, you know, <laughs> in thinking about Washington's defense, what are some ways you potentially see us exploiting them? Do they have any weaknesses? I mean, I think for Stanford, in the Stanford game at least, from what I saw – they were basically able to run the ball all over Washington, which is not something mm-hmm. we were used to seeing mm-hmm. um, from their earlier games. Is I mean, is that where we should kind of game plan for? Or what do you think the, the read is on this? Yeah, I think on that side of the ball, um, you know, a lot of their fans at least have been pretty critical of the linebacker play. Uh, I think that um, obviously ZTF is a big name over there on the D line. He's been, uh, really good for them at times, but, um, has kind of fallen off in the last few games. It sounds like, uh, and then I think, yeah, their, their secondary is pretty good. Um, you know, especially a guy like Elijah Molden's really talented. You want to keep it away from him. Uh, and so, yeah, I think running the ball is a big is a big point of emphasis. I mean, that's what that's what people I trust who know a lot, you know, QB eleven Hithliday have said about this game is 
Oregon should be able to establish the run on these guys. Um, and I think there's a good chance we can so long as, um, well, first of all, so long as Moorhead is flexible in his play calling. Uh, I think he's shown some tendencies to be in the past. So that's going to be important is really, you know, not being ideologically stubborn, but being willing to take what they give us. Because like you said, Stanford, you know, there's, it's no secret they're a power team that loves to establish the run, and they found success doing that. I think that Oregon has all the ingredients to be able to establish the run too, really. Um, we just have to make that a priority, and I think it would work out. Uh, but, you know, I am a little worried because I, uh, I do respect Jimmy like as a defensive mind, and uh, Washington's defense has dealt well with, you know, somewhat of spread concepts uh like we run so we'll see how that how that all shakes out i guess yeah and then the big question coming into this year especially for huskies fans was the offense um obviously losing jacob eason had like a trio of guys kind of battling for that starting spot and it ended up being dylan morris who is the starter now um but it's really they've been surprisingly uh, satisfied with Morris's performances so far. And from what I've heard, the receivers haven't exactly been helping him out too much. Um, similar to some pass catching woes or pass dropping woes we had in recent years ourselves. Um, what can we expect from the UW offense? Yeah, I think that schematically they're not very great. I mean, um, they got a new offensive coordinator in there, John Donovan. And the rap on him is that He's a pretty conservative and predictable play caller. I think that um, they're kind of, you know, v vaguely similar to the Cal offense, but I think that the play calling is, is really significantly worse. Mm -hmm. um, now, of course, they have more talent than Cal. They have probably a better O-line. Um, and then you talked about Dylan Morris. Uh, you know, he's not an elite talent, but... Uh, he's shown a knack to make some plays in, in moments. Um, you know, I, I remember a few times where it's pack, pocket collapsing on him and he kind of just finds a way to get the ball out to a running back and pick up five to eight yards, you know, and just kind of stay, the, stay ahead of the sticks. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so, I mean, that's something we can't let happen. One thing that's, you know, bodes really well for us is this is the first road game for the Huskies. I know I yeah. mentioned that on a pod, and, and we were kind of, oh, is that true? I forget or not. But it, it actually is their first road game this season. Um, first ever road game for Dylan Morris. That's a big deal. Even without fans in the stadium, it's a big deal to get on the plane, travel, um, you know, even the short flight down to Eugene for them. And just get all that stuff going. Stay in a different hotel room. Have all those protocols. You as a <laughs> you know. Um, so I think, uh, I think that could be a big factor. I, I think it could definitely rattle him. And I mean, even Chuck has been a little less consistent. I would say on the road in his first year. So it's easy to expect some of those flaws from Morris. Also, the coaching staffs can be inconsistent on the road. I mean, Mario talked about that in his first year. Uh, was we really struggled on the road. Um, mm -hmm. Really, really struggled in that 2018 <laughs> year. And uh, I think that was, you know, Mario just like, what is this exactly? It's a whole other facet of being the leader of a program that you have to adapt to and make a plan for and figure out how to get that energy in your um, players, you know, when it's not provided by a home crowd or even by the comfortability of a home environment and home stadium so that's something to look out for that's kind of an x factor you know there's no way to really um quantify it but you know if it if it shows up in just a few more missed reads bad decisions for dylan morris and a few better reads and decisions for shuck if those are in the right big moments that can be a pivotal uh play a pivotal role in the game yeah totally um and i mean one thing you mentioned was play calling i <laughs> For anyone who didn't watch the UW Stanford game, I would like you to just quickly go to YouTube and like 
watch some 10 minute highlights or something because there were some just straight up laughable play calls um, from UW's offense, especially in crunch time. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. one in particular, like I, they, they had first and goal and they got backed up to like the 20 from penalties and they ran it into like a nine man box, just like right up the middle. And it's like, what? are you yeah, doing? I feel no, like I'm watching Arroyo and yes. that's a good thing for us. <laughs> yeah. It's really, uh, it is really not good for them. Um, the one, a big factor on their offense is Cade Otten. He's a tight mm-hmm. end who's been around for a while and a guy that they're really excited about progressing. Um, so he's something to watch out for. Um, and then rushing the ball, uh, you know, McGrew, Pleasant and Newton are kind of a, a three-headed thing, um, but <laughs> none of them scare me that much, really. Yeah. Um, none of them uh, uh, scare me as much as uh, Savon Ahmed did last year. I thought Ahmed was a really talented back, or Gaskin before that. I mean, they've had a few good ones up in Seattle. None of these guys are quite bad in my estimation at all. Um, but yeah, Otten's a big one to watch for as a tight end. And um, then, and then I uh, know they had Puka Nakua out last week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do we know his status coming into this game? Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure what it is. I think everyone is kind of trying to keep things under wraps. Um, you know, just with COVID and everything, uh, people are just more than ever, I think, disguising why exactly people are out. But I, I think Puka is gonna be out for this game. Uh, mm-hmm. If I had to put my money on it. Um, yeah. And he hasn't exactly had a great year either. Uh, but, yeah, that would be a big, big um, miss for the, for them because Puka's a very talented receiver, definitely. And he's uh, not the only receiver who's been out for them either. I mean, that's the position group where they're really having trouble getting, like, a full squad of guys together. Um, and even so, I feel like that's where a lot of Donovan's conservative play calling came in last week was they didn't feel comfortable using their newer offensive targets. Um, and even so they often only got like a couple targets, I think. Um, so they really have some work to do with regards to how they shape up on defense against us or on against our defense, I should say. Yeah. And our defense obviously looked a lot better last week. I think that I fell really felt really good, especially like, Watching that film, I mean, guys like Kayvon and Diamador Lenore, those are stars on our defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you you look back at the film and those guys don't miss on many reps at all. Um, and I think a lot of other guys are, are getting into it. I mean, kind of, you know, for guys like Mace Funa, some of that conditioning is coming in season because he had a kid during the practice and we didn't have the full um, – off-season training, as, as yeah. we've talked about a lot. So it makes sense that, you know, that improvement's coming. The tackling's getting better. Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Noah Sewell should be back totally. Um, I think he was even back at the end of last game, so no worries on that front. But, yeah, I think there's a lot to be, uh, you know, encouraged by in this defense. I think, you know, I mean, really, the more I looked at that, Cal game, the more impressed I was with how the defense ultimately played. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they there were just a few penalties that extended uh, one of those big drives, and but they showed up when they had to, and they gave the offense every opportunity. Um, and and yeah, really, I mean, Cal ended up scoring twenty one, I think, but it was a it was that felt like it was on the high end of their range against our defense really it it felt like our defense easily could have scored them on held them under 15 yeah but i mean as as we mentioned like that was on the offense <laughs> i mean there's no way to slice it the defense came up yeah, with so many plays totally and i mean you take out a couple of question well i mean one of the penalties was questionable the other one was just stupid um and two we're looking were, at yeah, two and, were stupid because Kayvon had there was the substitution and then Kayvon had a penalty where he pushed a dude after the play. Yeah, the flop. Yeah, yeah, and, um, then, the, and yeah, then the obvious and then, pass interference. I right. mean, that's at least like seven points off the board um, on that yeah, play I mean, alone. Literally, that play is a seven point <laughs> yeah. play that was. Yeah, yeah and then I'm pretty the sure ass. they scored on the other drives as well. So, 
Um, or maybe that was earlier in the same one. I don't remember. But regardless, I mean, it just comes down to, like, we really, no matter how much it felt like that game was all doom and gloom, um, we shot ourselves in the foot enough times to where, like, we really should have won that game. Yeah. Um, I think so, too. But I also have some optimism. Um, I do have some optimism in Shuck, really. Um I think that, I mean, kind of like you said about, you know, I think Ducks fans don't really take a step back like you did at the start and look at the conference-wide offensive numbers. I mean, this Oregon offense is good. Um, people yeah, say we've seen them be good this year. Yeah, really I mean, good. Ducks fans are like, oh, this is a bad team. Oh, like, we don't deserve to compete for a Pac-12 championship. Yes, like, we're 3-2, and two, and that isn't a great record by any means, but there are some positive aspects of this team and uh, this offense has been good. And I mean, Shuck, regardless of all his inconsistencies, like we've said, you know, the five to 10 missed reads, he will have a game. He is still arguably the best quarterback in this conference. And at least, you know, firmly in the upper half of quarterbacks in this conference. And we saw what a decent quarterback and, uh mills did to uw's defense last week like he went 20 for 30 um and had a really just solid performance i don't remember exactly how many yards he had but um it was a lot like they did not respond well to dealing with a pretty you know basic system um with stanford that i mean the ducks were able to deal with pretty easily granted they had jack weston there against us but if if Mills is the best quarterback UW's faced so far, then what does that mean for Shuck? Like he can totally be better than that. Yeah, I think he can too. Um, yeah, it's about so many things. You know, it's it's about. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a lot about his confidence too. Uh, I think that a common theme from that Cal game was sometimes he just felt a little too uncomfortable in the pocket when he really didn't need to. He would you know, kind of get happy feet um, and throw a ball out of bounds, or he would just, you know, kind of throw a, a ball fading away, wouldn't kind of set himself and step into a throw because he felt some heat coming on him mm-hmm. that maybe he had more time than he realized. So I think that, I mean, the good thing about those mistakes is that I do believe that they, uh, you know, can be corrected with experience and they can be coached out of you. Um, so hopefully... I mean, like we've said, you know, hopefully that's something that just comes together this week because this is the week that it has to come together. You know, we are are playing Cal again. We are playing Washington. This is the one. Um, So No margin for error. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, as much as we kind of spent last week saying, oh, this game doesn't really matter, and even afterwards you're like, the result is whatever, you know, it is what it is. This is the game that matters. We have to own that now and say, you know, this really is the game that matters. This is the one where we have to see it. So, yep. Um, any other things you want to note before we look at some more like conference wide stuff? Um, no, I think, I think we did a pretty good job. Um, I'm going to try to put out a article giving more breakdown. Um, on Cascadia SN, uh, probably going to have that posted Friday, uh, early Friday is the hope. So stay tuned for that. That'll be a pretty long form article going, breaking down battles on both sides. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, I feel like me and a lot of other people sort of view this as like a, almost a heads up matchup, especially from the Oregon side, just cause we've, you know, seen this team sort of deteriorate. Uh, in performance over the last few weeks. But, I mean, the Ducks are still six-point favorites, right? We're at home. This is UW's first road game. Like, we're, like, as it stands right now, we're, like, the favorites to win the North still. Yeah. So just keep that. And I'm going to keep that in the back of my head to, like, help me sleep these next few nights Um, because I don't feel great overall about this game I, oh well, oh here's one thing actually i was on the dogman uh thread that's our 247 site with predictions um and there was not the confidence that i usually would expect from the dogman crowd um <laughs> there was a lot of Oregon predictions there was a lot of 
you know, 34, 24 or something. Um, ducks, which is, you know, probably not far off from what I think this game could be. Um, I think Vegas, what do they have it? Something like that. Us in the high 20s, low 30s, them in the mid 20s. Yeah, 54. So that's 54 and a half. So, yeah, that's like... And what's the what's the official line on it? Uh, six. To the okay. Us. Um, six even, which I... Is like... I, think I it, don't know. I don't remember if it opened as less or more. I think it opened as less. Um, I can't quite remember how that line's moved. But regardless, I mean, this is, on paper, this is a game we should win. So, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> just yeah, win. That score would be something like 30 to 24. So, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, all right. So, let's look at the rest of the slate here. There's a lot of interesting matchups this weekend um, in the Pac-12. And we haven't had too many cancellations this week either which we're used to seeing at this point um so let's run through it real quick we got uh arizona arizona state that's the territorial cup is that right um on friday at four o'clock that'll be a good Uh, game mm -hmm. uh somebody's got to win at some point both of those teams haven't won a game arizona state in two tries arizona in four um Utah-Colorado, I think, is going to be a really interesting one. If Colorado can get over this hump, then maybe we can like talk about them maybe supposed to be being in the Pac-12 South race still. Um, well, that's that's actually, I mean, we kind of have ignored the rooting interests for Oregon the past few weeks because we've been out of the playoff race and everything. Yeah. But this is a, I think that Utah winning this game, if you want Oregon to play in the, um, conference championship game, which I do as a Ducks fan. <laughs> I want that to happen. Yeah. Um, hopefully Colorado loses this game because that would make it a lot easier to justify keeping them out. And if they're kept out, then the winner of the Oregon-Washington game is in. And if that game can't be played, Washington probably can't play next weekend. And Oregon uh, probably takes that spot, I think. Um, yeah. I who mean, knows? But, but I think if I think that's probably what you're looking at if Colorado can't play, um, but I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, and or so if Colorado then, loses, I mean. And yeah. that's been moved actually um, to the 9 a.m. slot. So if you want. Oh, to... is that official? Yeah, yeah. They announced it earlier today, I believe, or maybe yesterday. Yeah, I um, heard the rumors, but I yeah, I didn't see the official. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, that'll um, be the 9 a.m. on Fox. So nice little uh, breakfast game on the West Coast. Yeah, that'll be fun. And then Ducks and Dugs are in the 1 p.m. slot, which I'm fine with that. It's Is that like becoming a tradition now that they always just play this game in the midday slot? I think that's kind of interesting. Um, um, well, it has it definitely has been in the past four, two years. I remember... Uh, past four? Well... 2017 yeah, what, was a night the... game, but every year after that has been during the day. Mm-hmm. I guess that's two years. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would? Yeah, twenty seventeen was a night game. Uh, twenty sixteen yeah, was a day game. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, twenty eighteen. We definitely stormed. Y- y'all definitely stormed the field. Oh, big we, time! Yeah. Um, in the daylight. That was a noon kickoff. I remember definitely remember vividly. that. Um, and then last, last year, year was... I, I'm. It very... looked like it was, yeah, it was a dusk in... game, but it was during. Yeah, the day. it was gray. Yeah. Um, Definitely great, but uh, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously Which this one. Which, for those who were wondering, it is supposed to be kind of a duller uh, weather for this weekend. This is the first time I've ever mentioned this on a pregame. It's the first time I've looked it up, but <laughs> I just kind of wanted to know what it would look like. Um, it's probably some superstitious thing, I don't know. But we're looking at, like, you know, mild rain, probably cloudy. Um, yeah. USC, UCLA. Another Again, fun, that fun won't have uh, such depressing weather conditions. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Down there in Pasadena. Um, which USC is only a two and a half point favorite for this game. <clears throat> which is really surprising to me. Um, given that they're supposed to be the number 15 team in the country. But I guess it's more of a testament to just the work Chip's been putting in this year at UCLA. I mean, they're three and two. And... We saw how they played against us. Like, 
it definitely could be better than that. They also lost by one score against Colorado. So, yeah, I, I don't really think this line's that crazy. Uh, U, U, USC still hasn't impressed me that much. Uh, they put down a big beatdown of Wazoo, and a lot of people are impressed by that. And I, I don't think Wazoo's a bad team, but also they hadn't played, I think, since they played us, wow. uh, the Cougs. So, you know, it's, I mean, it's just such weird circumstances. We'll see how it goes, but I, I think UCLA could win that game. I don't think that line is totally crazy. I mean, um, that, that said, I probably would take USC. It's hard I'll to probably win, USC in this Yeah, game. winning by more than a field goal, but, um. <clears throat> uh, just a field goal or more. Yeah, a field goal or more, exactly. Um, and then similar line, Stanford is a three-point favorite against Oregon State. That's going to be a late game, uh, Pac-12 after dark kick. The USC game's at 4.30, by the way, on ABC, so that's in a big slot. Um, and then we got Cal Wazoo to finish the night off. Well, I guess it starts at the same time. Um, I... Don't expect to, I mean, honestly, these last two games feel pretty par for the course with Pac-12 after dark type stuff. Uh, Cal's a two and a half point favorite in the Wazoo game. So maybe they'll be competitive. Um, hopefully we are not depressed enough to continue watching football and we can watch some of the non-division winners flounder down there. Um, but I would like to see personally what Oregon State can do. This is a big game for them against an opponent that I feel like they'll, I mean, they match up pretty evenly against, so. Yeah, and I think Jermar is back for them, so uh, that'll be big, obviously. I mean, he's a big-time player. Yeah, and then it'll be worth seeing what Cal does uh, against Wazoo. Again, not, not that Wazoo's a good opponent or anything, but, like, I hope our only, I hope Cal's only win isn't against us, basically. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you want to make some picks for this game, or should we save them for later? Uh, make go, what do you, make picks for what? Like for go these Pac-12 the games. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess them. we kind of did for USC. I'm with you. I think USC covers that two and a half. Um, I, uh, I have a hard time picking against Oregon State and Reezer, um with Jefferson back. I think... I would take the Beavers and the points there, although I wouldn't really have any gripes with someone taking Stanford. I see that as pretty, uh, pretty good line. Yeah. Um, and I then think... I would hope Cal again. I hope Cal can beat Wazoo, and I would probably take them as a two and a half point favorite. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, Arizona State. I'd probably take over Arizona because Arizona's the worst team, and I'd probably take them with the eleven and a half. I don't Anyways. know. I don't know if I'd take them with eleven and a half. Like, I mean, I just think Arizona's pretty bad, personally. Yeah. I also don't think they have well, anything I'll, to play I think for. that too. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's something crazy always happens in that game. That's something. That's a rivalry I wish I wish I would have watched more in the past few years. Wow. That was hard yeah. To say. Well, yeah, I have such kind of. Oregon's played some really intense games in both Tempe and Tucson, so I have. I view both of those schools as really kind of iconic Pac-10 opponents, especially. Whoa. You got a fire alarm going off or something? (laughs) I don't think that's on my end. I'm not sure. Not on my end. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Regardless, uh, do you want to get to some national stuff real quick before we break? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so... Uh, the big big game this week, I think we can all agree, um, my beloved Georgia Bulldogs are traveling for a top 25 matchup in Columbia, Missouri against uh, the Missouri Tigers, of course. Um, this Wait, is a, Missouri is ranked? Yeah, they're 25. <laughs> what? I, I did not. Oh, my. Dude, I, I hate the SEC. committee. <laughs> I hate the committee. Oh my god. Um LSU Florida is something that's happening um that I won't watch. They beat uh, Arkansas 50 to 48. No. No, committee. Oh my god. There's just god. really like 
not a lot of good games this week, I don't think. The, Unless you the count committee just Wisconsin pretends if you lose to a top 10 SEC team, <laughs> the committee's just like, that didn't happen. That's not a loss. Those are wins. Like, not against that team, but if they're just like, oh, that doesn't count against your record. If you play Alabama and Florida, that doesn't count. That just doesn't count. There's no reason not to play them. It's just ridiculous. But, 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 That's, but that, like, I literally heard uh, – I, I like Barton Simmons usually, but I heard Barton Simmons say, like, oh, do we really know that, like, at, that Notre Dame – he, he was like, there's no difference between Notre Dame and Texas A&M. If Notre Dame played that schedule, they like would have probably lost to Alabama by three scores or whatever anyways. It's like, maybe, but they beat Clemson. <laughs> like, we saw Texas A&M lose. You can't just assume everyone else would have lost. Okay. I, would, I would also like to note the Missouri Tigers lost to the Tennessee Volunteers. 35 to 12. Yeah, it wasn't close either, everybody. It wasn't close. It was not close. Um, Who was ranked at the time, but... (laughs) Oh, my. Their schedule's so bad. Let's run through these. They beat LSU by four. LSU doesn't have a functioning football program. They beat Kentucky by 10. Kentucky's pretty bad. South Carolina fired their head coach. They won 17 to 10. They beat Vanderbilt, who is absolutely horrible, the worst Power 5 program in the country. They shut him out. But Vanderbilt is literally awful. And they beat Arkansas by two. There is not a decent win on there. And they have three losses by 20 points. I would call the LSU win decent. No, LSU's bad. Dude, it doesn't matter. Like, that's that's a big, you know... Be happy for them. That was a cool moment. You can't argue with a game-winning goal no, line stand. I'm no, sorry. No, it, it's LSU. They have the name recognition. They are a bad, bad football team. We're talking about Mizzou here. Mizzou. Um, Apparently okay, they're let's, top let's 25. Jeez. Okay, well, Georgia's going to get a top 25 win this weekend, and you oh should take the dogs with those 13 points, mind you. Um, yeah, you probably should because they're playing a horrible football team. Correct. That is, yes, correct. I agree with you. Um, okay. Alabama, Arkansas, I'm not even going to spend time on that. Um, you don't think there's an upset there? No. Arkansas just hung with don't a care. top don't. 25 Mizzou team. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, <laughs> they yeah. took a top 25 team four quarters, Charlie. <laughs> hey, man. All I can say is. <laughs> Apparently, we're worse than Mizzou. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of teams, we're worse than uh, Northwestern is a 14 point favorite against Illinois on the road in Evanston. Um, number 11, Oklahoma is a 14 point favorite against West Virginia in Morgantown. So, that I feel like that's one to keep an eye on. Um, those are all yeah. early games. Utah Colorado yeah. is obviously the best early game, um, especially for us. We got a, If you're a Coastal fan by now, Coastal Carolina is playing Troy at uh, 12 noon. That one's on ESPN+. Plus. We're we rooting for you guys. Good, good. <laughs> go Chanticleers. Yeah, and go Chanticleers. This is a, just, just call them the mullets. It's easier. Yeah. Um, this is a pro Chanticleers podcast. Does anyone know what a Chanticleer is? I had some type of chicken or something. Let me Google it. It's, I know it's turquoise. At, or teal it is also that um at least the cartoon version of it oh is. my goodness i'm hearing that it is a uh this musical ensemble that that that's what their football the proper pronunciation after? is chanticleer um, i don't know chanticleer chanticleer comes from uh chaucer's canterbury tales more specifically he comes from the nun's priest tale Blah, blah, blah. He is a proud and fierce rooster who dominates the barnyard. <laughs> hey. <laughs> for the best okay. description, we, tur- we turn to Chaucer's words. Quote, for crowing, there was- <laughs> for crowing there was not his equal in all the land. His voice was merrier than the merry organ that plays in church, and his so- crowing from his resting place was more trustworthy than a clock. His comb was redder than fine coral and turreted like a castle wall his bill was black and shone like a jet, and his legs and toes were like azure. His nails were whiter than the lily, and his feathers were burn- like burnished gold. My wow. goodness. 
It's I'm pretty sold. dope, actually. That's yeah, not, that's pretty cool. Um, I would also Sign like to note from what Chanticleer, Chanticleer minus the points. Chanticleer. Give me it. That's a lock. So, in the early 1960s, a group of coastal students and their English professor brought up oh, the idea God. for a new mascot. <laughs> oh. At the time, it was known they were known as the Trojans. Um, with coastal serving as a two-year branch of the University of South Carolina at the time, uh, many people began to push for a name that was closely related to the Gamecock. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. So that makes sense as to why their first logo was literally just the middle of South Carolina's logo. Wow. Um, yeah. I would I could read this all day, but um there North are North Carolina Miami. <laughs> yeah. The only other top 25 matchup of this week other than the Georgia game of course um is North Carolina heading to Miami. Um Miami is 8 and 1 and probably the quietest one-loss Power 5 team like ever uh well or at least this season heading into this stretch. Um Miami's only a three-point favorite here. And to be honest, I have not... I don't think I've watched an ACC game since, like, the Clemson-Notre Dame game. <laughs> so I have no expertise on this whatsoever. Yeah, I watched... I've been, I've watched when Clemson played both of these teams. Or I watched when Clemson played Miami, and I watched when uh, Notre Dame played Oh, yeah, I North guess I watched Carolina. a that. North Carolina-Notre Dame. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't have much expertise either, but I think it will be a good game. I'm excited to watch. Even though I probably won't be, I'll probably just be watching the Oregon game. I mean, hey, at the very least, maybe you're suffering from some from some seasonal depression up here in the Pacific Northwest. You turn on a nice sunny day in uh, Miami Gardens and get to see uh, some wow. sunshine, even if it's artificial. Hey. Although, yesterday and today were very nice down in Eugene. I don't know how it was in Portland, but it's been very nice as of very recently. Yeah, it's been it's been solid in Portland. Got to um, play some tennis. Oh, let's not get into that right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Wisconsin and Iowa, two two lost Big Ten teams. Wisconsin's a one point favorite on the road in Iowa City, which I don't understand. But I don't really oh, understand anything about ranked. the Big Ten at this point. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so maybe that Iowa. Be. A good yeah, sure. Second. Give me Iowa. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a reason to pick against Iowa. Um, Texas can zero <laughs> and nine. I didn't realize that Kansas was already zero and nine. That's <laughs> that's something. Um, when when you think of 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 Kansas, I I think of zero and something. So, I think um, basketball. Um, yeah, and then Harry, I think of like, beating Texas in football, <laughs> which I, I mean, uh, Tom Herman is. For sure, fired if they lose this game. Uh, yeah, I, I think t- Tom Herman's. I don't even think it matters necessarily. Like, I just think, oh, yeah, it matters who their who their replacement is more than anything at Texas. I think if they find a guy that they think is a clear upgrade, then they'll move on Herman. Like, we Herman need could, to get Hugh Freeze back into Power Five football, and true. I don't see a more hilarious place it could happen than Texas, other than maybe South Carolina. But they're That's kind of their own sale. special case. Yeah. Um, LSU, Florida. Eh. Uh, LSU's program's <laughs> disintegrating. Their best recruit is transferring. Oh Kurt yeah, that's Gilbert. right. Isn't he yeah. going back to Texas? Or uh, no, going back to Georgia? I, I like think is the is the maybe word on the street, but he doesn't know yet. Um, He's just State, homesick, Baylor, but whatever. Yeah. Um, San Diego State, BYU, whatever. BYU is irrelevant now. That who USC game is definitely the best game. Who would have thought? You know, us, the Ducks and Huskies were, you know, all together clowning BYU for avoiding games. And then those and then those Huskies, then those Huskies turned around, and now they're avoiding our game. All three of us lost. <laughs> Nobody ended. Yeah, up true. That was a that. bad, yeah, bad time for West Coast football Twitter. All these fan bases just like beefing, and then all their teams can't back it up. Also, I don't know about you, but I think three of the most entertaining games this weekend, uh, for different reasons, got canceled. Um, 
The first one, of course, being the big game between Michigan and Ohio State, yeah, which Michigan Charlie's would have won. But special. you know, I guess that they, we'll defi- just, they definitely would have won. But I guess we'll never see for sure. We'll never uh, know. We'll never know. Also, can we talk about how hilarious it is that Ryan Day or like that there were questions of whether or not Michigan would dodge this game, and then they were like, "How dare you question if we would dodge this game?" And now they're sitting it out due to COVID. Um, I I find hilarity in that for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, if you, were, I do think Harbaugh's staying at Michigan, though. That's the word, at least. As he might get exp- extended, and yeah. Sure. I, a small part of me likes seeing Michigan fail. I don't know why. No disrespect to Michigan. I literally have nothing against their program. Um, I don't other know than the, the fact that they're a big dog, and I yeah. like to see big teams lose. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss A&M. I feel like Ole Miss had a shot at beating A&M. Lane Kiffin. Now we'll never know. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> then, I mean, I'm just, I'm I'm a little bit pissed off that A&M only got eight games in in this season. And the whole time everyone was like, oh, well. They're putting themselves at so much risk. It's like, yeah, they really did not end up getting that many games in. Yeah, and I mean, the best team they played beat the crap out of them, and the only yeah. good team they played is Florida. But, uh, but that doesn't count as a loss, apparently. I mean, the Florida win's impressive, though. It's a right? good loss, Reed. It's a good, it's a quality, good loss. beautiful loss. Um, Somehow I feel like, well... They're gonna hang a banner. Not that, that we're loss. gonna, not that we're gonna lose to Ohio State next year, but somehow I feel like if we did, we would not get that same good loss treatment. No, because people like to but see us fail. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, the other game I was gonna mention is Cincinnati Tulsa, uh, which is also a top twenty-five matchup. Tulsa sliding into that number twenty-four spot with a six and one record. Um, these are two teams that are undefeated in American conference play and uh i really would have liked to see what tulsa could conjure up against luke bickle and since but i think they might uh i think they're gonna play actually oh really uh not this weekend but i think that they're they are set to they are leading in the conference standing so i think that they will be the unless there's covid concerns which i don't know details of there could be i guess that I'm unaware of, but they are the top two teams in the American. So I think they're slated to play in the conference title. So maybe they might have just canceled that game because uh, they're going to play a rematch next weekend. Anyways. And mind you, no other team can catch Tulsa in second place because um, right. UCF has three con- conference losses. Yeah. And Houston's three and two, but they can't get there. Um, SMU's four and three now, really, in conference. I expected a little more out of them. I guess they're seven and three overall. But. Two lane, six and five, little bowl hey, game. Bro, for I'm the, all about the, the green wave. I don't the know. The green if, wave, baby. I don't know if you've been seeing uh, Home Field Apparel's green wave uh, apparel, but it's sick. You should check it out. I think you'll like it. I have not, but always, um, always. I'm not affiliated my, with Home Field. My uh, boys. <laughs> I just think they make cool clothing. Um, and then the other canceled game is Indiana versus Perdont. And I don't think anyone really cared about that. Um, so, yeah, in short, uh, the Big Ten doesn't know what they're going to do. <laughs> and um, I know what I'm going to do on Saturday, though. I'm going to be sitting down and watching football. So We might be watching football together even, man. Yeah, hopefully. Let me know if you guys can come down. And, uh, yeah, I trust you with COVID. I know you got tested <laughs> and all. Yeah. Yes, I did. Um yeah uh is there anything else oh one big thing we are a week away from the early signing period uh next wednesday yes um not much specifically i want to hit uh i think that this is going to be a little bit of an uneventful early signing period for the ducks it's mostly about getting our signatures in from our committed guys maybe we're able to flip byron cardwell there's rumblings that we lead there. I think that's the biggest addition and the most likely addition that could happen by early signing day. Uh, I also think it could be interesting if we see a signature come in secret. 
you might see some buzz leak out here or there. Um, oftentimes, recruits will sign, keep it quiet, and then announce a week or two later. That's what Dante Manning did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of can get that faint buzz that something weird is going on, uh, that there's a commitment or maybe someone, a staff member, or I mean a recruiting site person, whether it's J-Hop or the guys over at 247 will say, oh, there was a letter that came in. Um, there's another letter that came in that hasn't been announced yet or whatever, uh, if they know. But either way, it's just exciting. And I think we will have a much clearer picture of how this class ends up in the time after early signing period. After the we get the official signatures down, we actually get to say these players signed with Oregon Ty Thompson is the best quarterback Oregon has ever signed, not committed, <laughs> all those fun things. Um, so that will be really fun next week. And I'm sure we'll figure out some way to talk about that in the podcast. We haven't totally yet. but Yeah, totally. Um, I can't think of anything else. Uh... Yeah, do we want to give any real score predictions or do you want to just not do that? Um, no. 50 to 0, Oregon. You know, yeah. no, 70 to 0. 70 to 0. 72 to 10. Right that's, on. That's my official prediction. 70 um, yeah, I'll probably come up with my official one and put it out with in the article. So, bang, there's a little nugget Boom. to stay tuned for Shameless that. Shameless plug. Boom. Yes. Read our stuff. Um, <laughs> Boom. Please. <laughs> please. And listen to this. And subscribe and share. Please. And five-star review. Yeah. If you feel so inclined. <laughs> or if you don't, just do it anyways. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, that's all I got. And uh, That's it. Big one this weekend. Go Ducks. Paul, I need to go Ducks. Go Ducks. Okay. See you all later.